Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. And amen, church. I know you're getting tired of watching on screens and phones and iPads and all those kinds of things. And so I want to strongly encourage you that we are going to have a review uh, of the current orders that we're under, the current law that is in place. Uh, It's going to take place on the 15th, so just uh, a little over a week from today. And I would ask that you be in prayer fast. I would encourage you, this is a good time to be praying and fasting Uh, for the Lord to deliver us uh, back to being able to have uh, services here in the main sanctuary with the whole church. And so we would just simply encourage you, let's do what we can do and what we should do, which is to seek uh, the favor of the King of Kings and of the Lord of Lords. And while you do that, pray for those that govern over us, pray for those that are making these decisions that they would hear from heaven, even if maybe they're not looking for that answer from heaven. Uh, because we do know who is the dynamic master of all things. Amen? And as we look at the passage that's before us, as we continue our study here through the eighth chapter of Luke's gospel, if you'd turn there in your Bibles, I know you're at home, but I also know you have Bibles, and so take those Bibles out and do as you would do here in the sanctuary. Uh, Turn to the eighth chapter to the 16th verse, and the first part of a two-part series that I've entitled the dynamic master. In other words, Jesus is the master and everyone else, everything else ultimately answers to him. The apostle Paul, as he wrote to the church at Colossae, reminded us that uh, he is above all things. He's the preeminent one. And so as we turn to the word at this time, when our country is deeply divided, when, when we face problems that we have, frankly, in my lifetime, never seen, and maybe uh, it would be safe to say the, these are unprecedented times. They're certainly not unique in the world's history and even not unique in our nation's history. These are difficult, difficult times. And very few people seem to have any answer right now, but I can tell you who has the answer, and his name is Jesus. He knows exactly what we need to be doing right now, exactly how to calm this storm. The things that we face, the things that you face personally, the things we face as a nation, the things we face as a city, as a state. And so would you join me? We'll pray and we'll pick up here in verse 16 of Luke chapter 8 in the Dynamic Master Part 1. Father, thank you that you were before all things, that Jesus by you, through you, were all things that were created, created, and without you was nothing created, that it was made for you, that we as believers were made in your image. We as the children of God were made in your image. All creation, humankind, bearing your mark, the image of God. And Lord, we desperately need to see one another as brothers and sisters in this day and time. We treat each other with love and with kindness, with grace and mercy and tenderness and forgiveness. And so, Lord, we pray that you take your word now, which is true, and that you would impart it to our hearts. Teach us, Lord, what your spirit would have us know this day. We ask these things in the name of the King of Kings, and of the Lord of Lords, Jesus. Amen. Verse 16, Luke chapter 8. No one, when he's lit a lamp, and I love the simplicity with which Jesus is now going to speak. And I think maybe in our day and time, where we are right now as a nation, where the world is right now, perhaps we could use a really good lesson on simplicity of speech, of keeping the main thing the main thing. 
not getting caught up in those things which, as we run down those trails, we find that they're a dead end. And so Jesus says, no one, when he's lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. You would think that would be what we would call common sense. But it seems in our world that common sense doesn't make sense to a lot of people. That common sense is gone, that simply looking at things for the way we should and recognizing that there is a simple answer uh, seems to be the last place we look these days. But sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. And so Jesus begins with a simple little short parable. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed. Can I speak to you for a moment? Everything ultimately is completely known to God. Every intent of heart, every action, everything that you think, you alone know what you think. God knows. And he knows that for the entirety of humankind. He knows the motivation of our heart and he knows the way our minds are are specifically bent towards the way we're thinking at this very moment. He knows how we got there, why we think what we think. Nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Now, Jesus is speaking of a time, ultimately, when we'll all stand before the Lord and give an account. In Christ, we'll be judged by his grace, that merciful reward for having been forgiven our sins, but without him, it would cause us to await that second judgment, that second death that's spoken of as the great white throne judgment, when all those who do not know the Lord will be finally judged for their place without grace. But in this sense, the inference is clear. The Lord knows exactly what's going on. Everything is known to him because he is the light. And therefore, I want you to notice as I spoke on this Thursday night with my brother Bill as we sat on the couch and spent an hour and 15 minutes discussing where we are in our world today and maybe some direction that might be helpful. And I would encourage you to go and to our website or to our live stream feed and, and watch that if you weren't with us on Thursday night. Take heed, church. We need to be better at hearing, better at listening. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Open your ears. Stop hearing with prejudice. Stop hearing through what you think you know and start hearing because you want to know what God knows, what he thinks. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away. Jesus, in these few short verses, is speaking to us as children of heaven, children of the kingdom, children of the Most High God, children of the Master. And so he says, look, think about this for a second. You wouldn't take a lamp and put very costly oil in it and light it and then put it under your bed. That makes no sense at all. And in light of that, because he knows everything, one day everything will be revealed, then perhaps we ought to be better at listening because his light shines on everything. Christ is the answer. He's the only light. He's the light of the world. He's not just the light of my life, though he is that. He's the light of the world. But men still love darkness. And so they choose to walk in that darkness. And Jesus is simply saying, you need to listen up. You need to hear what the Lord says. You need to take this very simple parable and let these words go from your head to your heart. Let them become something that you own as who you are in Christ. We are one family. We are God's chosen people. 
The body of Christ is not divided by race. It's not divided by ethnicity. It isn't divided along country lines. It's not divided in conservative and liberal. The body of Christ is one body. And Jesus is really reminding us here, look, we're all simply followers of him. And because he alone is the light, we should all walk in that light. There's only one King of Kings. There's only one Lord of Lords. And we do a disservice to the King when we become divided amongst ourselves and say, well, this is my Jesus. No one has a private Jesus. No one has a private light. Scripture's very clear, in fact, as Peter writes to the church, as John writes to the church, Peter writing in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, remind us we don't get a private interpretation of the Scriptures, of that which God has spoken into our lives. There's only one. And what's the message? The message is not what we're seeing in our world today, not what we're seeing in our country today. The message isn't divide and conquer. The message is walk in the light as he is in the light. The message is get out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's the message. That's the healing light of Christ. That's the illuminating light of Christ that makes straight our paths. As the light of the world, he came into the world that the world would be able to see. That we wouldn't be caught up in things that ultimately would cause us to be less than who God intends us to be. When the disciples paid proper attention to the Lord's teaching, when they listened carefully, they also understood. But when they didn't listen carefully, they did not understand. And as I said on Thursday night, I think the problem that I see that we're all facing right now is we're not listening. We're not listening to God. We're not listening to one another. We're not hearing the heart's cry. We're not paying attention in that sense. And I chastise no one. It's been hard for me to hear the voice of the Lord at times. There's so much yelling and screaming and shouting. It's like, God, speak to us. Your servant wants to hear. Jesus adds a warning, take heed. Be careful, in other words, there in verse 18, how you hear. Don't hear with your prejudices. Don't hear with what you think you know. Open your ears to have your thinking changed. Let your mind be transformed and your mind also be renewed at the same time. Let faith have its perfect work as patience works in you. You see, part of our problem is we're looking for quick answers and there aren't any. Church, we we need to be better listeners. We need to be kind, gentle, and understanding. We're supposed to be, and this may shock some of you, actually walking in the light. We're supposed to be walking in the light. That is the message that John gave in 1 John chapter 1. This is the message which you've heard from him. From who? From Christ. From the Lord himself. And I declare it to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. Brothers and sisters, the church should have zero darkness in it. And that means sin. That means rebellion. That means anarchy. We're not supposed to be walking in darkness at all. We're supposed to be walking in the light. For if we say, verse 6, 1 John chapter 1, we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, guys, my disciples, you're bearers of the light. Put the light on the lampstand. Walk in truth. Do not sin. We will never accomplish anything for the Lord on this earth if we choose to use the world's ways and weapons. We have to walk in the light as he is in the light. The Bible plainly says if we don't do that, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And it's time for the church to stand in the truth, to stand for the king, not for other things, not for any other cause. I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I represent. That's whose colors I wave. As a child of God, I've been bought and paid for with the precious blood of the Lamb, and I have a responsibility to be a bearer of the light and a shiner of the light the light of him, the light of his word. That is why we still are not in this sanctuary meeting together. Because I can't get past the light of his word. I cannot get past what it says. It applies to me. It applies to us. His word is truth. And so Jesus says, look, why don't you shine a light on this world? Why don't you be who I am to this world? You can't claim to be a child of God and then walk in darkness. In fact, the exact opposite is true. If you are a child of God, then you should be pushing the darkness out of this world. No matter how weak your batteries are in your flashlight of the Spirit, there should be some light that shines out of all of us. And collectively, we should be pushing the darkness out, not yielding to the darkness. Not fighting, not bickering, not shouting one another down, not finding ways that we can insult one another. Not engaging in useless banter, but speaking the truth, therefore, in love one to another. Let us grow into who God's called us to be. His hagios, his saints, his separated ones. Jesus is the light. It's exactly what he said in John chapter 8, by the way. I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not, cannot, will not walk in darkness. That means no amount of it. That means no lying, no deceiving, no unkindness, no injustice. All these things that we face, the division in our country, a vast majority of it is due to darkness. People speaking things that are not of God. Church, we should not be part of that. We need to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. There should be light in us. My light, your light, the church's collective light was intended to shine on darkness so darkness flees. Jesus moves on to a word about his family. This is one of those beautiful pictures that we have in Scripture of exactly how human Jesus was. How much like you and like me, the people around him were. We have a tendency to elevate the disciples, Mary, Peter, James, John, Can you imagine being the half-brother of the Messiah? 
Can you imagine being the mother of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You might think they would think that they should have a special inroad. After all, they're fam, right? A little word about Jesus and his family. Verse 19, and then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. You know, one of my great regrets in ministry, as early in ministry, especially when I was a camp director, that so often my own children were, were second, third, fourth, tenth on my list of things. Broke my heart. I spent a lot of time introspectively looking at my own life going, how can I minister to other people's children and not minister to my own? Here comes the family of Jesus. And they're thinking, hey, we're related to you. Could you at least, you know, stop for a couple of seconds and talk to us? But they needed Jesus just as much as the crowd did. They needed a savior every bit as much as Judas needed to repent and be saved. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. I want you to notice what Jesus says. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. There are two types of people in this world. There are those who hear the word of the Lord and do it, and there are those who don't. There are believers and unbelievers. There are people who are in the kingdom and people who are not in the kingdom. There are sheep and goats, as Jesus would say. There are saints and ain'ts. There are those who are in and those who are out. There are no other groups. And so Jesus making an allusion to this at this moment is reminding us the main thing is this. You need to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Some of you may be listening right now, watching online, and you have never committed your life to Christ Hear this well, there's only two groups of people on this earth. There are those who know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, have said yes to his offer of grace, received him as Lord and Savior, and are thereby going to spend eternity in heaven. And there are those who have rejected that grace and will spend eternity separated from him. Those are the only two options. You might be saying, well, you know, what about this group or that group? The Bible clearly says there are those who are in and those who are out, and there are no other groups. Are there other groups? Yes, sure. But those groups are divided into these two groups. There are people who are of Jewish heritage that are in the kingdom and those who are not in the kingdom. There are people born in Arab countries that are believers in Christ and those who are not. There are people of every race and tribe and tongue who are believers in Christ Jesus and those who are not. And so the message is this, the central thing, the dividing line for eternity is, do you know Jesus? That was true for Jesus's own family. They did not automatically get into the kingdom because they were related to Jesus. And so for those of you that are trusting in your affiliation with a group, or you're trusting in your affiliation with a specific religion, or you're trusting in your affiliation with your family, or you're trusting that you're a Republican, or you're trusting that you're a Democrat, or you're trusting that you're an American, or you're trusting in something else other than Jesus Christ, you are trusting in the wrong thing. Salvation is found in Christ alone, and it is not found anywhere else. 
And so Jesus' message to his family is, if you want to really be in my family, you need to hear my word and do it. Because if you're not in that family, then no earthly family can save you. The family shows up and they're thinking, you know, we need to save this guy from himself. I've often wondered what exactly they were going to try and say to him at this moment. We get a few more details out there in Mark chapter 3, but it's largely unspoken. Were they concerned about his Messiah complex? Did they think perhaps he had gone too far? Were they worried about what the Sanhedrin thought? Perhaps the Pharisees, what they were doing at that moment? We're not told. But I know this. Even Jesus' mom needed Jesus as Savior. Even Jesus' brother needed Jesus as Savior. And Jesus said so. Jesus is the only answer to life and godliness. He's the only name. He's the only one. Were they going to try and persuade him to maybe come home to Nazareth and just stop all these things that were getting him seemingly in trouble with many? Were they going to try and keep him from speaking any further on the real issues of life, which actually are the issues that are also of death? Where will you spend eternity? You see, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We have a dear friend to this ministry. Any of you know him, Buddy Luna? fought the most valiant fight imaginable. Loved the Lord, served the Lord, had joy in the midst of the most awful trial one could imagine. He was sent home. The family believed he would have three weeks or so. He's home in heaven. No one is guaranteed another day. And so Jesus said, you really want to be a citizen of my family, which is my heavenly family. You need to know me and you need to do what I say. You see, by natural birth, we're forged into the people that we are with our emotions and our life experience the things that we think and feel. But it is only through a second birth, through our spiritual birth, that we are forged in our response to God's word, to his will, and to his ways. And if you believe in him, you will be saved. But if you don't believe in him, you won't. The opposite is true. And so Jesus is saying, make the main thing the main thing. Now he moves on after speaking directly to his own family to what I think is a beautiful picture for us today because we're going through storms right now. We're going through storms of life. We're going through things that we can't understand. We're going through things we don't like. We're going through things that were unexpected. We have a storm that has been brewing in our life. It was bad enough that we had the storm of coronavirus. And now intermingled into that is this incredible racial unrest, which is so troubling to the soul of all who care to see injustice dealt with. But it is nonetheless a storm that's not too big for the king. It's a storm he's very easily able to handle. The question is, will we turn to the master of the storm or not? Will we seek the face of the king or not? Are we going to reach out with the hand of flesh, with the arm of flesh, with the voice of flesh? 
or are we going to turn to the Lord? Pick up verse 22 with me. And now it happened on a certain day. So this is a day, two days, a week later. We're not told for certain that he got into a boat with his disciples. The Sea of Galilee is not a sea, it's a lake. It is not a huge lake, it's a big lake. Widest point, seven, seven and a half miles wide, about 13 miles long. So it's a good-sized lake. But when you're on foot, it might as well be a sea. It's a formidable obstacle. Would take you several days to circumnavigate it, to go around it if you were on foot. Especially during those days and times. And so very often, rather than do that, even though the Via Maris was on the edge of the lake on the western shore, on the east was a very uninhabited area that we'll come to next, the area called the Land of the Gadarenes. And so Jesus got into the boat with his disciples and said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake, and they launched out. The other side of the lake for Jewish people was trouble. It was problematic. It was inhabited almost exclusively by Gentiles, and worse yet, they raised unclean animals. They were bacon farmers. That was where Jimmy Dean set up shop. It was over there on the other side that the other meat, which the Jewish people could not have and would not have. And they launched out. And as they sailed, he, the he being Jesus, fell asleep. Track this with me. Jesus is very well aware of what's going on, but he's also very well aware of what he's going to do. The problem is we're not always aware of what he's going to do, nor are we aware of what's going to happen. We don't see things the way God sees things. We see them from a very limited perspective. And we often apply very limited resources. Those resources are the resources of our flesh. They're the things that we think we can do. Or the things that we may know we can do. Or the resources that we think we might be able to get or already have. But Jesus is not resting because he's resting in what he himself already has. He knows what he's going to do. And so the disciples are in this boat with Jesus. Jesus is asleep. Now I want to draw your attention to something. If Jesus is creator God, which he is, which if everything was created by him and for him, which it is, if nothing was made that wasn't made by him and for him, which it is, then he not only made the molecules that make up the water and the molecules that make up the air, and the dirt itself, and Mount Hermon to the north, which is over 9,000 feet high, and this body of water called the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Gennesaret, or the Lake of Tiberias. He made the trees that made the wood, that made the boat. In fact, he made the disciples himself. You think maybe he had some information they didn't have? Perhaps he was a little more informed of what was going on. It's mind-boggling to me how quickly we turn to our flesh when we have the answers in the king, the creator. And he fell asleep and a windstorm came down the lake. And they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Now I want to also draw your attention, this is a real situation. They were really in danger of drowning, and this was a real storm, and the storms can be vicious on the Sea of Galilee. The reason being where the Sea of Galilee is is 683 feet below sea level. Mount Hermon is over 9,000 feet. It's a 10,000-foot elevation drop in less than 20 miles. You have a cold air mass over the mountains and a very warm air mass coming up from the Gulf of Aqaba. 
to the Jordan Rift Valley, which is the end of the African Rift Valley. There's a reason that storms are vicious there. There's a huge difference in air pressure as that cool air weighing much more than the light warm air presses down off of Mount Hermon. There's a reason scientifically for this to happen. Those catabolic winds were certainly uh, likely to happen on any given day. But to Jesus, they were just a gentle breeze. To the disciples, they were a storm. Their boat's filling with water. Their life is in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. From their perspective, they're about to die. From Jesus' perspective, it was a nice rocking of the boat to get a nap. Do you see the difference between those two things? When the king's in the boat, it's a gentle breeze and it's a reason to sleep. But when your flesh is in the boat, it's a reason to panic. There's a difference between the peace of the Lord and the panic of your flesh. And this is a message for us today. There is a difference when the master is in the boat with you in the storm. And here's a word to you. He's always in the boat with you in the storm if you are his kids. Oh, he's there for everyone, but he's in it with you as family. He's in the boat. He knows what's going on. From their perspective, they're going to die. And he arose, and I love this. And he got out a teleprompter and gave them a lesson in meteorology. And, and he you know, proceeded to have a wind barricade built on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. He promptly started the bilge pumps and got the boat finally emptied of water. And they struggled mightily to get against this very strong wind. They turned the bow into the wind so that the boat wouldn't sink. Notice Jesus didn't do a thing. He didn't do a thing. He just simply rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased and they were calm. He said, no, 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 no. You work for me. You answer to me. Wind, you answer to me. Waves, you answer to me. Boat, you answer to me. You see, the problem wasn't a problem of power. The problem was a problem of peace. When the master is in the boat, you can have his peace. But you got to ask for it. You have to want it. I want you to notice what he said to them. Storm's over. As quickly as it came up, done. All he did was rebuke it. He said to it, be ye not anymore. And he said to them, where is your understanding of meteorology? You know that every day at this time, the winds come up and then they die down as soon as the water temperature warms up a little bit. Oh, he didn't say anything like that. He didn't say there was a natural reason for them to no longer be scared for their lives. When they got in that rickety boat, their lives were in danger from the time they pushed out away from shore. But they'd gotten so focused on the circumstances that they couldn't see the answer. And the answer is not in what they could do. The answer is who they knew. The dynamic master was in the boat with them. He's saying, look, I've got this, but do you believe I've got this? Are you willing to turn to me and trust in me? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be for he commands even the winds and the water to obey him? Now remember who these guys are. They had seen Jesus raise the dead. 
and yet they're worried about some water. They had seen Jesus feed the multitude, but they're concerned with the wave. Church, this is us. This is me. Forget you, it's me. I can watch God do miracles and turn right around 10 minutes later, like, oh no. I don't know if he's got this one. You see, this is an issue of faith for them, and it's an issue of faith for us as well. That's it. It's not better plans. It's not more preparedness. It isn't more resources. It's more faith. It isn't us doing more. It's us being more of who we've been called to be. It's us walking in the light. It's us trusting Christ. My problem is sometimes I, I don't trust as I should. And you might find that strange coming from a pastor, but I don't know a pastor that's honest that won't tell you the same thing. It is difficult at times. I'm with you in the boat. I'm one of the disciples. I don't like some of the things that are going on in my own life right now. It is not easy being me. And I don't say that for any pity. I'm just telling you, nobody's exempt, including pastors. We all have storms. We all have storms and we all have tiny boats. Notice where the disciples are. They're all in it together. None of them were exempted from it. It appears that the whole 12 are in the boat. So it's kind of a picture of the church. We're in this storm together. Are we collectively going to turn in faith? Or are we going to just throw our hands in the air and go, oh, woe is me. I'm undone. What do I do now? Jesus is the master of coronavirus. Jesus is the master of racial injustice. Jesus is the master of fear. He's the master of financial difficulty. He's the master of your mortgage problems. He is the master of the devastation of cancer. He is the master of every jobless person. He is the master of everyone and everything. He's not an ill-equipped master. He is the master. He is dynamic in every way. He is filled with that dunamis power to an extent that nothing is greater than him. And because of that, no weapon fashioned against us will prosper. Nothing can separate us from him. That love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. But we do face storms. Where do those storms come from? I'm going to say something you're not going to like it. Sometimes those storms are you. You're the storm stirrer in your own life. Sometimes they're a direct result of the devil. Job certainly knew that. But sometimes your own sin is the making of your storm. Your own lack of faith makes up that storm. Your own inability to do what the word of God says makes up that storm. Your disobedience makes up a storm. You see, when we fail to do what we know to do and we turn to the world, we are stirring up storms. When we know what God wants and we will not do it, we are stirring up storms. Sometimes they're storms of controversy. Sometimes they're storms of untruth. Sometimes they're storms of compromise or hypocrisy. We need to be careful the devil is good enough at stirring up storms. He does not need our help. And so church, in this particular picture, the devil, I'm sure, is going, man, I got it. I finally figured out a way to get rid of the king of kings and lord of lords. I'll drown him. Can you imagine how foolish that sounded to the heart of God? Seriously? My son can walk on that water. My son could command that lake to simply split and be dry land from shore to shore. My son can talk to the waves and they will obey him. 
That's the God we serve. He is not lacking power. He's not lacking ability. And he is so much greater than the enemies we face, including the enemies inside of us. That if we'll simply turn in faith to him, he will master every single storm. Now, he may not do it instantaneously as he does in this one. He he may let you go through a few days of thinking you're going to drown. There's an old hymn that was written by Mary Baker. It's called, Master the Tempest is Raging. No waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. It's true. That is true. And to that end, the enemy is simply trying to scare you. He's trying to get you to cave in in faithlessness and throw your hands up in the air and just simply give up. The disciples, I'm sure, were waiting for Jesus. Okay, well, tell us how to swim, because none of us know how to swim. Give us an order. We'll abandon ship. With their flesh, they're waiting for Jesus to tell them to do something. And Jesus simply says, peace, be still. And he rebukes the waves. The answer was simple. Just like the parable that began this particular passage was simple. Hear my words and do them. Be light. Church, we're in a time where we're going to have to stand. Because there's nowhere you can go in this world where there isn't a storm right now. There's no place you can be where the storm isn't going to lap up at your door. It is storm E right now. But I want to leave you with this. Jesus is up to every challenge. He's up to every storm. He can conquer the storm of racial injustice. But the church needs to walk in the truth. The church needs to rise up with one voice and speak the word of the Lord. The church does not need to compromise itself with politics and opinion. The church needs to be bearers of light. That's how the darkness goes away. That's how the injustice ends. He's the master of coronavirus. He could end this lockdown right now. But I wonder how many Christians are actually praying to that end. Or are they praying for a political solution? Well, if we just had these people in office, this would have never happened. Shame on us if that's what we're doing. Shame on us. Turn to the king. Turn to the master of the storm. And say, Jesus, would you speak to the storm? Because if you don't speak to it, it's going to keep raging. Help me to walk in the truth, Lord, and do my part to speak your voice in this time. Don't let me get caught up in other things. He's up to every challenge. Our passage says, and it was calm. Instantaneously, Jesus solved the problem. This word rebuked is a command of mastery. It's superior force. It is non-contestability. It indicates in every way that Jesus was superior to the storm. It's a show of faith. It's a show of power. And that's why he said to the disciples, the problem is not your swimming lessons. The problem's not a bigger boat. The problem is you 
not that you left the dock at the wrong time or in the wrong place. It's not that you got caught unawares. It's that you don't believe in me. You don't trust me. You're not walking with me. Jesus is dynamic, church, and he's the answer to every storm. Don't, I beg you in Jesus' name, turn to the flesh. Don't turn to the world, and certainly don't turn to the devil. Turn to Jesus, and he will master this storm. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you as your kids. And Lord, we're scared. We admit that. We're scared of the world we're going to leave to our grandkids. We're scared of what's going to happen to our neighbors. We're scared of not having a home to live in. We're scared, Lord, the storm is raging. And we're asking you right now, God, to do a miracle, to rebuke this storm. Say to the coronavirus, peace, be still, be gone. Say to racial injustice, no more. You cannot cross this plane again. Lord, you're the only answer. It's not going to be our government. It's going to be you, the king of kings. It's going to be you, the dynamic master that steps into this situation and says enough. And so, Lord, we cry out to you. Save us, God. Deliver us from this storm. Lord, we place our faith and our hope and trust in you and you alone. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone listening that does not know you, as they're watching online, they would just simply ask one of those pastors to remind them of the truth of the gospel, that they would receive and believe you for who you are. You're the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. And so Jesus, dynamic master, calm our storm. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.